So let's everybody warm up, get to it. Imagine a world. <laughs> Is that how we should start? I don't know. I'm shooting yeah. from the hip here. So, I, yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, we'll pick up in uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5. And I have a confession to make to the listening audience. I think I lost the last episode that we did. And so we're kind of redoing this. So um, my apologies up front. I really don't know what happened, but I'm pretty sure it must have been my mistake because I can't think of another way around it. Um, but anyways. Don't tell them that, Jesse. I don't, don't let them see behind the curtain. I don't have to let them know the how t- sausage is made. but The dog ate it. Yeah, the dog ate the it. The dog ate it. But anyways. Alas, here we are. So uh, so we read through verse 5. Um, and so what do you want to read? Verse 5 through, how far down should we go? We're talking about angels here. So it gets kind of interesting. Uh, verse 4 says, well, having... it's kind of the, the, kind of the down through the end of the chapter is kind of the whole point. Yeah. Should we just read 5 through the end of the chapter and then kind of back it up? Uh, yeah, I think so. That might be cool. Okay, so let me just read, uh, so chapter 1, Hebrews, and I'll just read 5 through 14, which is the first chapter, and then we'll, we'll talk about it, if you see what, um, what the angels have to do with all this. So Yeah, um, what version are you cracking open? I'm going to crack like the ESV, English Standard, like yeah. Correct. Okay, so it says, uh, verse 5, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? That is a mouthful. So much in there. So that's what we have in store for today's episode. (laughs) Buckle up. (laughs) Not the baby seat. Well, Right. Like right off the bat in verse five, right? So we're setting up this contrast. Yeah, right. We've got the angels, this kind of like you know, I guess I don't I don't know if like higher order of created being different order of created thing. It's like a hierarchy of um, beings almost or something. Well, it's it's just they're different than us, right? They're they're not we recognize that. We're people, they're angels. There's some there's a difference there versus the sun right mm-hmm. right off the bat we've got the angels and we've got the sun so that's the comparison that's being made 
And, and so everything else flows out of those two different categories of entity. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's really Ver all I have yeah. to say. Well, yeah, verse 4 talks about the relationship that Jesus has with God. Therefore, if you want to call it an advantage, maybe maybe that's not the right word. But I like, Daniel, that you're, that you're not saying like that the angels are flawed in some way. They have their place, and they've been made to serve a purpose, which I believe comes out in verse 14. And... And then you have Jesus who has this relationship with the Father as part of an inheritance, it says at the end of verse 4. And he has, by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. So there is, it, it is inherent, quote-unquote, quote east. Therefore, he is more excellent, and for all of these reasons. And the angels worship him. So he's above the angels. Um, what does it mean that the angels, he makes angels win, he makes his angels wins and his ministers a flame of fire? Are the angels and ministers two different things? Or are these kind of like two names for the same thing? What do you think that means? Interesting. Um, New King James says, "Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire?" His min oh, his angel spirits, not winds. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. But then, then oh, then you'd have too much. Here comes Daniel. He's gonna he's gonna run that. But this makes me think of the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, where he's talking about the spirit. Right, like he's he's saying like, "Who knows where it goes?" Like Numa. It's mm. like the wind. Right, right, right. Yeah. This must be the same yeah, root word there. Yeah. Yeah. But his minister is a flame of fire. I guess a flame of fire being like a his ministers are piercing. Like, a, you know, it makes me think of, you know, a sword, for example, you know, like piercing like a sword. Um, ministers of flame of fire. It's just an interesting comparison. I guess I can't say I know what it means for sure. Hmm. Yeah, I keep thinking the, these these the connections that I think of immediately. Um, I, I just I'm thinking those can't be it, right? Because I I just now compared this spirits back to um, the spirit of God, and when I, I was talking about the wind and Numa, and then I think about this flame of fire, um, about John's prediction about Jesus. And what he would do about baptism. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Hmm. Maybe, maybe that is maybe that is really the comparison that he's trying to draw, but I, I wouldn't say for sure. But it is a very is a very interesting distinction, but maybe more so to draw the contrast between the two. You know, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that, and, and what he says next, you know, the contrast of, of the angels, you know, his angels are, are winds or spirits and his ministers of flame of fire. But in verse eight, but of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so cool. I mean, it reminds me of, you know, like, you know, the, um, in John where it talks, you know, about how Jesus was there at the beginning of creation. Definitely. Right. Definitely. And, um, you know, t Jesus is, is timeless just like god he's connected and 
um, the angels are nowhere in that same ballpark. It's a completely different thing. And it also makes me then later think, um, I don't have the verse in front of me right now, but when um, it says Jesus is also going to be in, you know, the one who's our judge at the end, right? So like he's there in the beginning and he's going to be our judge at the end. And he's the only, the only um, entity essentially that even knows what it's like to be a human because he became man, you know, walked on the earth and ended up being crucified for us. Um, I mean, man, if you really sit back and think about that, um, it is very humbling. Like Jesus was there from the beginning. He created us. He saw us. You know, he, he was the word, you know, that, that became flesh and walked with us and is going to be there at the end in judgment to be a righteous, a righteous judge because he's holding up the scepter of uprightness, right? And mm-hmm. you've loved mm-hmm. righteousness and hated wickedness. He's going to be the righteous judge because all laws that exist that are known laws are God's laws. And so therefore, he is the only one to truly be able to be a fair judge of those laws. And But he loves us so much that he died for us. It's like, I don't know. I mean, the analogy of parent, right? Like, you know... You don't want to have to judge your children, but you love them so much. You want to do everything you can to help them. But at the same time, you have to be fair with your children, right? Like they have to know, like, it's just the way things work. Otherwise, things will just fall apart and don't make sense. And you, you're a liar if you're not consistent with your children and and treat them as you say you're going to treat them. And so it's just all very, um, but, you know, and it's all, I mean, I don't want to say it's all us centric because I think we get in trouble when we make everything about us when really it's about him. But at the same time, it's just humbling to think that he wants that relationship with us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like you said something a second ago, whenever you were talking about the superiority of Jesus in uh, verse number eight, right to the son, he says, your throne, Oh God is forever and ever. So we're talking about, uh, the eternality of of his reign, and then the, the superiority that he has over all of the angels. But it's not, it's just over everything else, right? Over any and everything. And uh, it's, it's interesting to me lately because uh, um, I think with the, with, with the kids, we were kind of talking about uh, the kings who have ruled um, who ruled in Egypt and who ruled in Judah. And, you know, Israel was just like bad, like every king, bad, bad, bad. Right. Yeah. And, and Judah, you know, at least they had some glimmers of hope. Um, but, but even, you know, there, there were definitely some that were great, like Josiah, he was fantastic. Right. But, um, Is he the king that had up the, and down. the smiley face on the banner in, in he absolutely was, and he was also the king in the children's Bible who is has the slanted crown and has the huge smile on his face. I think they have like a he's sitting on his throne with a cat. I've never been able to understand that. Why does he have a kitty cat? I guess because they're nice. He's like, look, I'm nice. Yeah, the, the, the boy king. Uh, but but the point was that like e- even amongst these that were kind of good and kind of bad, and the when the the throne itself kind of had this oscillating effect of good and bad. Jesus would later say in uh, when they referred to him as good teacher, he said, no one's good except the Father. But here is the Father 
who is always good, always holy, always righteous, set apart, um, cannot lie, according to Titus uh, 1 and 2, like, is just perfect in every way. He declares the Son as the ruler and to have a throne that will last forever and ever. And then this picture then of the one who is holy, righteous, and perfect um, says the Son is going to be over the throne who also is holy and righteous and perfect. And this deep contrast between all other kings and all other rulers. Here's a ruler, like you said, who is all about good, like all about fairness, all about goodness, all about righteousness. He hates lawlessness. And, and even though he was, like you said, he can identify with us in such a profound way because he's experienced it all. Later in Hebrews, it's going to say um, that he is our great high priest because he can sympathize with our weaknesses because in all points he's been tested in the exact same ways that we are. So he knows everything we've been through and therefore that makes him a righteous and a good judge. But even in that, here's what's crazy. Like all those other kings you may compare him to, he never judges on his own behalf. You know, like when, uh, you know, Sunday we were we were listening to, a, uh, when we were together, we were listening to a teaching and uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, like the love chapter went up. And I was just looking at that because it was like love is all the things that love is, right? And one of them was patient, doesn't seek its own, but this is how... God, the one who is holy and righteous, says that the one who will live forever and ever, whose throne is forever and ever, whose scepter is righteousness, this is how he behaves. This is like no other king ever, right? And I, I only point that out to say that this shows how much of a contrast there is between him and everyone else and how he is superior in that his discipline to be... Um, perfect and to to be loyal uh to god in his original command to have him come here is is just flawless right mm -hmm. jesus doesn't mess up he doesn't make a mistake um because he loves the father because it's the plan but also because he loves us you know he he wants to redeem man john three seventeen. he didn't come into the world to condemn the world but to save it right like it's 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 the goal but that's the goal of this kingdom and this king. And you just won't find another king in any any place that we've ever lived who attains this perfection. And not because he's perfect in this way that he never, look at him, he's so amazing. It's because he is dedicated to the goal of making it not about himself. Right. Absolutely. And, and he wants a relationship, right? Like that's... Yeah. That's that's the incredible thing. He wants he wants this relationship. He wants us to know him, and to understand that his he has this love for us, and and he wants us to hate wickedness like he hates wickedness. It's just right. very, very cool stuff. I found the verse. Um, it's uh, Matthew First Corinthians. Well, go, go, about go for it. judging the world. It's Matthew twenty five and verse thirty one. It says when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all His angels are with Him. So again, they're kind of talking about the angels and God together, but he will sit on his glorious throne and the people of every nation will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Um, and then it continues on to talk about 
you know, some very challenging preaching, actually. Go read it. Yes. But um, yeah. <laughs> very it challenging, powerful, powerful uh, preaching. But uh, Jesus is there at the end, you know, and um, it's it is kind of interesting just to see, you know, them. The angels are still with Jesus at this point in time. The hierarchy is still existing. You know, um, that is a super powerful teaching. Um, if you're still there, you should read like his pronouncement to those who who have done what he's really looking for. Um, yeah. Or, or who have loved people in a way in his pronouncement. It, it's at it's the very last verses of the chapter is his pronouncement against them. Um, but the two pronounce it, it's pretty powerful and it reflects who who God says he is here in verses eight through nine. Right. Well, are you talking about when uh, verse 44, when he says, you know, they'll ask, Lord, when did we see you hungry yeah. or thirsty or as a stranger or in need of clothes, or sick, or in, pre- in prison, and didn't help you, because this is in context. Jesus is saying, like, I'm judging you according to what you did in these situations, and they're saying, like, Lord, yeah. when did we see this? When did this happen? And we didn't help you. And then he answers them, saying, I can guarantee this truth: whatever you failed to do for one of my brothers or sisters, no matter how unimportant, scary, they seemed, <laughs> uh, you failed to do for me. Um, man. See, uh, this this will keep you up at night i hope oh yeah yeah oh yeah it keeps me up yeah and it does and then but it's directly connected to who god says he is right he says that as you read he's a, has the scepter of righteousness mm-hmm. he loves righteousness he hates lawlessness see that that's what's happening there right you know yeah when when, when did we see you? oh when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you, you did it to me, man. And this is exactly how he operates a person who loves righteousness and hates lawlessness. Yeah, I mean, it really shouldn't scare us because, I mean, obviously it should scare us and that we will be judged according to this criteria he says specifically here. But he loves these people so much that they matter yes. this much to him, right? Like, and, yes. and it's our job. And it's, uh, you know, when we've been hurting, it's been other people's jobs to help us. Right. Like that's yeah. the community of being brothers and sisters in Christ that um, that we are in this all together. And, you know, it's not come to Sunday and sing songs together and go home and, you know, give a pat on the back because we did it. It's living a life connected together and helping and, um, you know, not being like, oh, so and so, you know, is, you know, they uh you know, they, they need a place to live for a few months because, you know, they lost their job. And I look around and think, uh, yeah, I've already got kind of a full house. I'm sure someone else will take care of it. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, true, true. Like, like, that's a big yeah. deal. I mean, that's a big example that's gone, gone on before. And somehow I've blown it off. Right. Like I didn't reach out and say, like, hey, no matter what, I'll have a place for you. Let me know if you need this. All I can give you is my couch. But I, yeah. why didn't I offer my couch? Right. Like, I mean, of course, it's a specific example, but man, this is a, like this. is These are real situations that we all run into. And um, it's yeah, that's there's a judgment here. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm going to add on to this because I was I was this is the verse I was thinking of. And then you went to Matthew 25 and I was like, oh, no, that's better. It's not that it's better, but it, <laughs> I think it tied in better. This is the what I, I was thinking of. Second Corinthians five ten, ESV. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Mm. Um, and then verse 11, 
Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. Um, I think I think that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, but I was just thinking about what you just said when we find ourselves in these situations where we have the opportunity to like reach out, help. This is very much like what, it, you know, as you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, what you just called out is really one of the major things that he calls us to do, uh, to reflect Jesus's light. But reflecting his light is so much in action, right? It's it, it, it's so much in just stepping mm-hmm. out and doing a thing, uh, yeah. less of what, what we said that we should do. Um and and there there are a million stories, you know. Um, I I talked to a guy on Saturday who told me that he was he was driving with his son and he pulls up to a stoplight and this lady comes and like taps on his glass and he's like, you know, what? I wonder what she needs. And his son's like, oh look, there's a lady tapping on the glass. So he he rolls down the window and he's like, hey, can I help you? And uh, she was kind of struggling to speak English and to 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 be able to communicate with him. And, um, and so he said, you know, please try to help me understand what you need. And ultimately he just, after many attempts, you know, you got to think this is somebody random who's come to your car and this is not in, this is not in the Pacific Northwest. Like it's a pretty dangerous city. In fact, they are top 10 murder per capita Hmm. every year. I can tell you that. And she taps on the glass and she's like, and keeps going and he's talking to her. Um, this is at a stoplight. And, uh, and finally, I think because the light's going to turn and because he really can't, you know, get out of her what, what she needs, he says, why don't you just get in the car? <laughs> <laughs> so when I heard this story, the first thing I thought was, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. But I listened. He, he, so he's like, ah, oh, man. I was like, why don't you get in the car? So she gets in the car and he starts driving. And he told me that that led to an hour and a half of driving around trying to, to help this lady with what she needed. Now, um, I should, I'm reminding you that his son was in the car and his son is, I think, I think, I think his son's like 13 or 14. Um, so an hour and a half and that blew me away enough. But then he said, well, the thing was, since, since we got to where we could kind of communicate, uh, he said, I'll let her use my phone. Right. And the first thing we're thinking, you're like, oh, you use the phone. I'm going to have to disinfect it for years. You know, all these things start coming up. You know, she uses the phone. He lets her call anyone she wants to. Um, which actually led to him having an hour of harassing texts from the person that she called because she wasn't allowed to like get help from them. Um, and then he, you know, he said, look, can I get you food? What can I get? She's like, no. And then at one point, this guy even tries to put her in a hotel because he's like, I, I, I feel that you don't have a place to stay. And she's like, I don't. And he says, look, I'll put you in a hotel. So he goes and he drives up to the hotel. And he's like, I'll run in and get you a room. And then she's like, no, 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 this isn't going to work. And, and so after an hour and a half, um, he says to her, he says, look, 
I, I'm trying to do every single thing I can for you, but I really can't, like, I can't seem to help you here. Um, I'm, I'm, I need to take my son home. What can I do? Can I give you some money? Will that work? And, um, and, and she's like, okay, yeah, I, I guess, I guess that'll work. Right. And so, um, as he's telling the story, I'm wondering, you know, I'm like, wow, all this whole thing boiled down to money. And I'm assuming like he gave her a five and said, be on your way. He gave her a hundred bucks. And, and, and I, so if he'd never finished the story, I was thinking, yep. Yeah. I knew the end of this one. Do you know what she did? She gave it back. Hmm. She gave the money wow. back. That's surprising. She me. said, that's not what I'm looking for. I was, I'm just thankful, you know, I'm kind of, I'm just thankful that you attempted to help me, but, but this is too much. And he eventually shoved like 20 some odd dollars at her. Um, and, and he left. And so when I heard this story, this story blew my mind. Right. And he got in major trouble with his wife <laughs> <laughs> because his son was in the car. Oh, uh, he got into huge trouble. And she was like, think of all these things. And I, I said to him, I was like, this story blows my mind. And I'm thinking of all the bad things that have, could have happened, but you couldn't have more, more closely lived out the story of the good Samaritan <laughs> than anybody else I've ever heard of. Yeah. And, uh, and did it by accident. Right. Um, and I know that's a super long story, but it, it goes to what you said yeah. earlier and is truly the heart of loving righteousness. And I think if we get to this, this place where we love righteousness, there are things that we will do and we will never even think about the, what if we will only be sold out to just do the thing. Cause that is a very Jesus sort of lifestyle. And, and your point where you said, it's not about singing some songs and feeling really good about Sunday. It's about this lifestyle that every day is just an extension of Jesus. Therefore we wouldn't know the difference day to day on what we did. Yeah, wow. That is absolutely. It makes me actually remember the, the example I just gave of like, you know, someone needs a place to stay that you know from your church or wherever. And um, and I said, well, you know, I could at least offer him a couch. You know, actually, that shows how um, my frame of mind was out of place in comparison to your story. Because, you know, your story is so good at saying like, dig, dig, dig deeper, right? Um, yeah. Why wouldn't I say like, I'll sleep on the couch. You take my room, you know, like, I mean, like that should be right. Like why yeah, am I offering yeah. him the scraps? Right. That goes against yeah. actually several stories that we could find in the Bible where it's like, no, don't offer him yes. the scraps, offer him your best. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, that's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. But that's, that, that's what we're talking about. Like to me, when we talk about the comparison, the comparison between Jesus and the angels is one thing. It's true. This kind of contrast, but it is, the contrast also helps us align with just just how righteous he was and how perfect he is for this position to even say, like verse 4, having become so much better than the angels, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He is this far over and exalted above everybody else and then above every other thing that can possibly exist in our lives. Oh, man. Amen. Julie, Julian, I was thinking about your story. Oh, Daniel's there. Good, good. I am just here. listening to the story. And it was, <laughs> was about, about Daniel. Your, your story. It was about Daniel. <laughs> um, he did it. That's well, the guy. And, and, <laughs> but but the th it's, it's what the Hebrew writer is trying to do here, right? Remember, he starts with 
Long ago, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but now he's spoken to us by his son. And he goes into this big, long description of what that means for God to have spoken to us through his son, right? And, and we see in all of these things, like he is his son, his throne is forever. He loves righteousness, hates wickedness. All the heavens are the work of your hands. You are the same. Your, your ears will have no end. And, and, and in the word, the gospel message that we have, it's, it's brought to us by Jesus, by the Son. It's so much better than any message that came before. And I'm listening to your story, and 2 Corinthians 3 jumps into my head. Because in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul's talking about how uh, the, the ministry of death carved in letters mm. on stone, it came with glory, like Moses' face was shining when he came down off the mountain carrying the law with him. It, was, it came with glory. But Paul goes on and says, what we have now so far surpasses that. It's so much better because it came to us, the Hebrew writer says, through the Son, through the one who sits on this throne, whose scepter is uprightness, who loves righteousness and hates wickedness. But it's what Paul says at the end of 2 Corinthians 3. And, and this is where your story took me, was 2 Corinthians 3, 18, that we with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord. Right, that new message brought to us by the Son, who's so much higher, so much better than mm. everything that came before. What does Paul says? He says we are transformed into that image from one degree of glory to another. And that's what happened in the heart of your friend. He saw yeah, Christ in the gospel, and then he went out into the world, and he did the same thing Christ would have done. Right? Yeah. He was transformed by witnessing Jesus, the Son, the scepter, the one who sits on the throne. And he just went out and did what came perfectly naturally to him because mm -hmm. he was transformed from one degree of glory to another. Right? Hmm. That's what yeah. the Hebrew writer is getting at. What we've got now will change our lives from the inside out so that we will look more and more like the Son. That story is so beautiful, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, man, I feel like that's all we have to say today. Almost. Yeah, I kind of think so too. Yeah, that's 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 heavy enough. I hope uh, to get us through the week to think about these things. Man, it's challenging me. That's for sure. Amen. Cool. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Peace.